welcome to episode 15 of the Needle Movement Podcast. Here we begin a new streak of episodes with the theme, Mission to March, where we showcase brands focused on sustainability and cover different aspects of mission-driven marketing. Probably going to sneak in an episode on the coronavirus since everyone's got questions, but that's for another time. Today, our special guest is Roberto Crivello, the founder of Science of Apparel. I'm your host, Stephen Carl, talking to you straight from Brooklyn, New York. Now let's get on to the show. Today I have Roberto Crivello, who is the founder of Science of Apparel and the chief creative director of Isadora. And Roberto is known in the apparel and sneaker industry, has been working for over two decades there, is known for being a textile innovator, and has been the global creative director for some big names, DuPont Textiles, New Balance, DDC Lab, and many others. Welcome to the show, Roberto. And as a fellow Italian, I'm happy to say, buongiorno, Roberto. Buongiorno, Stephen. Did I say that correct? You said that correct, but you said Isadora, not Isaora. (laughs) Okay, touche, touche. (laughs) Okay. So great. You know, you have was really excited to bring you on, Roberto, because you have been on the production side of marketing, clothing, and sneakers for a long time, and you have so many insights. So, what have you learned from being in the fashion industry for over twenty years? What seems to work? Thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's good that you're raising this question. Uh, Marketing is definitely key to any business. I have a a few approaches. One to business. uh, One is to always uh, follow my heart and not my brain. You could say it's right or not right. That's just my philosophy. I always follow my gut, my heart. And the second is that I believe that in business, we must always uh, deliver honesty and ed- educate the consumer. And we need to change, uh, we need to create change that matters. Uh, make an innovative product or idea that'll teach us and ins- uh, that'll teach and inspire them and then promote it. So for example, Steve Jobs, you know, what he did with Think Different. He did ads with Einstein, Dr. King, and Gandhi. He was always making consumers think. Then there's a different approach. Like Calvin Klein, he does, you know, provocative or sensual. Then there's Supreme Kids, uh, MCM, Balenciaga. They, they do, you know, what street kids look up to. I just think that a brand without marketing is nothing. You have to do marketing. Yes. Or they're just tapping into something unique. Correct. Find your voice. Yes. Right. Like, especially with like Kith and Supreme, Noah as well. Mm -hmm. Like that's like streetwear has been so interesting the past few years and how much it's like, it's changed fashion so much. Cause I remember when there used to be, when everything came out in a certain season and now it's just, everything's a drop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but Stephen, today, nine out of 10 uh, Gen Z consumers believe that that companies have a responsibility to address the environmental and social issues, right? Mm -hmm. Transparency, call it whatever you want to call it, transparency is what they know it as. It's uh, obvious a key element to science of apparel. And we believe that it's our responsibility to share and educate our customers and end users. And, you know, we continuously need to create change that matters. We have to think this way. And these guys are not stupid. They know everything that's going on. So, yeah. (laughs) What's going on? What's going on in this world these days? Again, this whole transparency, they want to know. They want you to be honest and not lie to them. 
you know, we, again, you know, this, this thing, we had a discussion earlier about the Greta uh, Thunberg thing. You know, it's like people want to be on it. They don't want greenwashing. That's very, very important. And there's a lot of, I don't know if you know what greenwashing is. There's a lot of people, are, a lot of big companies, a lot of big corporations that are saying, oh yeah, I'm tapping into the whole ethical issues or they're trying to change their products and making them a little bit more responsible, but they're not. Mm-hmm. I went to one of the Fortune 500 companies yesterday with one of my clients. I can't say their name, but I went and see them yesterday and I said, to them, why aren't you guys tapping into this? Ah, oh, you know, that's just not the way their mm-hmm. company, what do you mean you're not in the way your company thinks? It's, it's, you have to, you have to do something about this. Even your poly bags, it's like the ones that are, mm-hmm. are wrapping your clothes when you ship them. It's like every little thing counts. Our planet is being destroyed. And, you know, how could you not think this way? So our con- the final consumer knows that there's all these problems out there and they're going to go like this new brand Noah. They're going to go with brands that are socially responsible. Yeah, I think with greenwashing, yeah, I think the idea is that consumers are cool these days and that they give, they're giving some flexibility. Like companies are saying they're transitioning and they're doing better. So companies don't have to do it exactly on a dime, but they can't mm-hmm. bullshit their way through it. And Correct. marketing is like, it's like the force. There are two sides of it. And there are people that kind of use language sometimes to imply that they're doing more than they're doing when like they'll focus on one element of the product and then like ignore like shipping. You mentioned that as a case where if someone is ordering a package online and there's, there's a lot of excessive packaging, then yeah, yeah. people are looking for more of a commitment. So that's the big problem that big corporations have. So that's one big issue that a lot of companies are not doing, you know, marketing wise, they're not taking advantage of what the consumers are saying. You know, they're not listening to what the consumers, the young consumers anyways, are saying that brands have to be socially and environmentally conscious. And another thing that other brands are not doing in marketing is they're playing it safe. You know, other brands are like when there was the crash in in 2009, the recession in 2009, a lot of, you know, you had two ways of going, should I go? change my whole company around and, you know, push towards a new strategy in marketing, or should I just play it safe? People that played it safe, you know, are not around or not doing too well today. So that's my point. Correct. Yeah. I think with fashion, it's just, there's, it's not difficult to make a basic product in fashion anymore. Like you can modularize Mm -hmm. every element of it, but you got to make yourself distinctive. And that's why sustainability is, is, um, and mission like, you know, purpose driven mm-hmm. company is, is such a good angle because it differentiates you because people want to help. If someone buys something, your clothes and you can tell them you've done something responsible and you're supporting a company that's doing something good for other people, people are going to want to come back. I totally agree with you. I'll tell you an example of what, uh, what I did that was a big mistake. For example, our brand Science of Apparel, when we launched the brand, we partnered with a uh, factory. And at the last minute, our factory says, well, we don't have Tencel available anymore. We have this yarn called Viscose. And I said, absolutely not. Viscose is a damaging uh, fiber. It's going to hurt our planet, et cetera, et cetera. They did the uh, fabric anyways. So it was a cashmere t-shirt. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember. I, I did some cashmere t-shirts that you didn't have to wash uh, for weeks. It, it will never smell. So the idea of the t-shirt was incredible. But the fact that our factory, our partner, used a viscose yarn, it made it, call it greenwashing. It didn't make it real. It didn't make it ethical. So that's the kind of stuff that a lot of companies are doing. They're not going all the way. So if you're going to do this, do this all the way, believe in it, mean it, 
don't just do it just because you're saying that that's the idea of your brand or or you want to have a little division in the brand. But they're just things that you can make something fat free, but that doesn't mean it's healthy for you. There's constant yeah. gamesmanship of these words, but I think it's a cat and mouse game, it seems like with marketing. But I think that brands that continue to make progress and like you looking at every different materials are able to like that sincerity comes through. It's true. So, you know, a client will come to me and they'll say, I want to do an ethical brands. By the way, I don't like the uh, Google dictionary word of uh, sustainability. It's <laughs> able to maintain a certain level. I mean, what's that mean? It doesn't mean anything. I don't understand that word, you know, from my industry. It's meaningless. I will not sustain, defend, justify, maintain anything meaningful. Instead, I'll always make it better. I really believe in the word ethical and positive impact. And, you know, we're trying to do good to the planet and, Again, that's what I think. So when a customer comes to me and he says, I want to do you know, an ethical brand, I say, what is it that you want to do? Mm -hmm. Do you want to have something that is tree hugger, you know, like it's cotton or hemp and, and, and it's just going to biodegrade and, and disappear in our planet, but it's not going to last too long? Or do you want to have something that is extremely strong and it's never going to biodegrade? and it's going to stay in our landfills for another thousand years? Or do you want to have something? What is your priority? What is it that you, know, you want to have that is your priority, your word for ethical? So that's the first question that I ask. And there's always a medium. There's always a way to understand you know, what the consumer wants to do. But I got to tell mm -hmm. you, to have something that is 100% ethical is not realistic You know, because you still need trucks to carry stuff around. You still need packaging, you still use tape, you still use this, and you still use that. There's so many things that you can do to try to be the best that you can be. So one client, for example, we developed a biodynamic cotton, which is you know, a different story that I can tell mm -hmm. you later. We developed a biodynamic cotton for them, which is the most ethical cotton that exists in the world. And we suggested to add a little bit of a stretch to the cotton. We did an underwear collection for them. We suggested to add a little bit of stretch to the cotton. And so that it would make the lifetime of the underwear last much, much longer. So big problem with underwear is after a year, you throw them away. Instead, these underwear are going to last you know, much longer. So this is our vision of ethical. The elastic waistbands are recycled polyester instead of you know, being real polyester. So there's, there's a lot of little things. The thread is recycled polyester. So there's a lot of little things that you got to think about. The packaging is biodegradable, the hang tag, the, mm -hmm. the metal clip. The only thing that's not ethical in this packaging is the metal clip that's holding the hang tag out of the whole thing. So this is really good. This client really wanted to go all the way. They wanted to be you know, ethical the whole way. So it really worked, but you know, we're being transparent about it. We're actually telling them where the cotton is coming from. We're saying you know, all of these resources, you know, we're telling the customer where everything is gonna be coming from. So that's gonna be an interesting, that is an interesting project that we're working on. Okay, so and I'm curious about this with cotton because we okay. hear different you hear different names about cotton and you are definitely the right person to talk to about this. So I'm excited, but okay. you know, cotton is such a ubiquitous element of our clothing. Mm -hmm. There's what? Pima cotton, there's regular cotton. So what's the difference between a biodynamic cotton and the cotton we see in a lot of our clothing that a lot of us just think, "Oh, that's a good material to use." Like what's the difference? The regular cotton that everybody uses from, I, I don't want to say brands, but the regular cotton is 
grown with pesticides. So what happens to pesticides so that it, it doesn't you know, eat up the actual plant, uh, so they kill the insects, the bugs around it, et cetera. So, and then they also use fertilizers, synthetic fertilizers that actually make the plant grow supposedly better. But what happens with these pesticides and the fertilizers is that it kills the soil. And not only does it kill the soil, but the uh, pesticides and fertilizers goes, seeps all the way down into the soil and then into the water. So we're actually drinking these pesticides. We're actually killing our own water by putting all of these chemicals into the plants. So instead, we went to the original way that are thousands of years old, the conventional way of growing cotton or farming altogether. It's called a biodynamic cotton where you are basically, you're replanting or every year or every two years, you're moving the crops from one place to another. So in one place you might have vegetable or, or, or maybe you'll have an animal like goats or cows, and then you're moving the crops, you're continuously moving the crops. So what happens is that you don't need pesticides anymore because of the fertilizations and naturally you use 20 to 30% less than organic, conventional organic cotton. So the biodynamic is far superior than regenerative farming. It's far superior than uh, organic cotton and obviously uh, superior than regular cotton. So you end up using up to 70 to 80% less water than conventional cotton. It's just an amazing, I was in, uh, our partner is uh, Egyptian uh, Mm -hmm. growers. And what we're doing is we're using the most ancient cotton seed that exists in the world. It's cotton. It's called a Giza, uh, Giza cotton. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's the ones that you use for bed sheets, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's basically the best cotton in the world. So we're using this cotton. Out of the Gizas, we're using the best of that they have. And biodynamic farming, you know, treats us soil fertility, uh, plant growth, and livestock care as ecologically interrelated processes. So the whole thing is together. The whole thing is mixed in together. It's not just cotton growing or just farming. And then the best part of all this is, as you know, there's going to be the, another solar eclipse, a full moon or something mm-hmm. in, next, in the next few days. So it integrates cosmic forces that have an impact on living systems and emphasizes spiritual science perspectives. So what I'm trying to say is that, you know how the moon affects the oceans, yes. the moon affects animals. It affects our bodies also. We are 80% water, right? So it affects our bodies, it affects our moods. So I had a few years ago, I'll tell you how this whole biodynamic thing started. A few years ago, I had a um, built uh, my own vegetable garden with raised beds. And there was this, uh, I had a, a beach house in the North Fork and there's this lady that had a, this incredible vegetable stand. And I said, wow, why, is your, why do your vegetables taste so good? She goes, it's all biodynamic. So I looked into it and then, you know, she actually sold me some plants and she helped me, she trained me how to grow my vegetable stand. I got to tell you, six months later, a few months later, I, I grew it the day that she told me to grow, you know, depending on the moon and the sun. And she told me exactly how to do it. I grew the most amazing vegetables I've ever had in my life. It was incredible. So I told my partner, I go, listen, you know, doesn't cotton exist with this biodynamic farming? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. So actually my family is, you know, somehow (laughs) related. (laughs) This is how we got to this. So we are of the first companies in the world because nobody's really used it. They're considering it as organic cotton. But biodynamic cotton is by far the best and most ethical cotton in the world. So now we're doing a biodynamic denim. Mm-hmm. We're doing biodynamic knits. We're doing biodynamic shirtings. We're doing biodynamic beddings. 
it's just really, really wonderful how people are, are just jumping on this. Okay, so let me get to, I'm trying to understand the difference between biodynamic and organic. Because I think organic mm-hmm. for many people is that standard that they can really trust. And I've seen other, like other fashion brands, like I believe Eileen Fisher also uses organic cotton and has been very you know committed to sustainability among other, other brands. Is it just that the Giza cotton is just that a little bit better or significantly better than what we've known with organic cotton? So I should actually do on my website, uh, I think you're not the first to ask this. I should do on what my website, what is the difference between all the cottons and why, mm-hmm. you know, there's advantages. And all I can say is that organic cotton is not biodynamic, is not the best and most ethical in the world, whereas biodynamic is by far the be- most ethical in the world. There's a certification, it's called uh, Demeter. Mm-hmm certification that is with biodynamic it has 16 different standards it has 16 different levels that you must abide to become certified yeah so organic cotton is just you know you're going to get the beautiful seed and you're going to grow without pesticides that's really what organic Mm -hmm. uh, means they just want to have you know toxin free and, and no pesticides the problem is that Many organic farmers are next door to, you know, regular conventional farmers and they just, oh, sometimes, you know, the birds will take from the regular farm and they'll poo in, you know, their organic farm or the winds will blow their sprays that go and mm-hmm. go into their farms. So there's a lot of cons to this. And it's, to be honest with you, not many people are doing this. The biodynamic farmer is 100% fully committed. They'll go from every morning, they all meet, all the farmers meet, and they'll all talk about you know, their day and what they're going to be doing. It's just like a whole system from the seed all the way to the end. So what the farmer's method, they've expanded. I'm sure you heard about this biodynamic food or biodynamic wine. Have you ever heard about yes. biodynamic wine? Yes, I think wine? Wi- like wine is where I've seen it before. Exactly. So so today, cotton has the same uh, principles as the wine. So not many people have heard about it in the uh, cotton industry, but definitely, you know, in food and wine industry. So yeah, the whole biodynamics become a, we- a buzzword for the wellness industry. But this whole thing started in 1924. Rudolf Steiner, the actual certification uh, based on Rudolf Steiner's agricultural course that he gave in 1924. So basically some farmers, they asked them to improve their farms and they noticed a, a rapid decline in the crops and their, the health of their animals. So he, what he did is uh, he applied the principles uh, taught by Stein, Steiner and Demeter was formed in uh, 1928. And when you apply for Demeter, Demeter is what you get. Whereas, you know, when you do uh, cotton, just different types of other certifications, there's a little bit of gray areas, whereas Demeter is very, very strict. Got it. Got it. So let's take this to, I mean, I know, you know, with our listeners and with us continuing to hear about climate change, that brands Mm want to do more. And there's a lot more, Mm -hmm. you know, we know that, I mean, right now we're, you know, during the taping of this podcast, we're hearing about the Australian bushfires, all the damage there. And a Mm -hmm. few months ago, it was the Amazon. And it's just every other week, there is something that is really making everyone understand that this isn't just politics. There is a real crisis here that we have to Mm -hmm. do something about. But just on the brand side, how can brands handle product material sourcing? If they don't know what they're doing or they don't know how to change, but they want to, what can they do? Well, you know, apart from the obvious, which is Googling, (laughs) there's companies like mine that will help guide them in 
the right direction, whether they just want to do a little bit of help to our planet or change their business style, they want to do a little bit or a lot, you know, we can help them from just consulting all the way to handling their production for them and the packaging for them. So there's a lot of ways that people can get informed. Do they want to be informed is a different question. I think, you know, we know that the apparel industry is the second most uh, polluting industry in the world. What is the most polluting? The oil industry, right? Yeah. Exactly. So what you got to do is use less of petroleum plastic or petroleum-based textiles. So go vegan, you know, go natural. (laughs) Stop using chemicals to grow our plants. You know, it's a simple solution. You know, how do we get Nike and Adidas and those guys to stop using petroleum-based textiles? So I bought this brand a few years ago, Isaora, which you mentioned. The biggest challenge that I have is to convert this brand into an ethical brand by using nylon and polyester and all the other fibers, virgin fibers, you are killing the planet. So immediately, you know, we're changing the packaging. Immediately, we're changing from 100% nylon, we're changing to recycled nylon or recycled polyester. Even the stretch is a recycled. So we're trying to do our portion. You know, again, if you're using cotton, yeah, you use more water. But if you're using uh, synthetic, you're using more petroleum. So what is the right thing to do? I wanted to get back to like your company science of apparel that companies come to you and say, Hey, I want to make a more ethical product. How do I do it? Yes. So we launched in uh, 2013 with the idea of, of creating our own brand and we realized, Oh my gosh, we need a lot of marketing money to create our own brand. So why don't we just pivot and yeah, we'll still do, you know, our own, our own clothes here and there, but why don't we pivot and offer these services for customers, because people are asking, a lot of people are asking us, you know, how can we get these fabrics or how can we get this for our brand? So that's how we started our pivot of Science of Apparel in 2013, I think. So we're just, you know, people will come to us and they'll, they'll say to us, you know, we want to have our foot into this world. How do we do this right? There's doing it and doing it right. So my point of view is you can just have a fabric, which is all right. It's good. It's good to do that. Or you can just be, your whole mission is about that, but then you have to totally believe in it. You know, you have to a thousand percent believe in it. So for example, we have a client that wanted to have some sleepwear and we tried to get some silk and the best way to do silk is by not killing the worms after they hatch the silk. So that's the most ethical way, but then it's beyond slow to produce the silk and extremely, extremely expensive. So we had to stop doing it this way. Instead, we had to you know, find a way to do it with a blue sign. It's another type of certification. So there's different mm-hmm. levels of what the word ethical means. And by using silk, it's still you know, not polluting our planet, which is you know, a good thing, but you're killing all these little worms. So, so you guys are, you know, I'm trying to understand this too. And when we say with companies, they can progressively work towards higher grades Mm -hmm. of sustainability Mm -hmm. with different choices they make, right? Like they could say one year, I want to be at 60% and then I'm going to shoot for 68 for next year and then 70. Like it's a progressive thing. It's not a, you don't have to be a Buddhist monk or a, you know, a hundred percent saint to become more sustainable. Okay, so there's um, a brand, which I'd rather not say the name, that is, okay. is claiming to say that they're, you know, maybe vegan is the right way. Uh, they're mm-hmm. you know, sustainable and vegan. So they're not using any leather. 
whatsoever. But what are they doing? They're using what is now considered as vegan leather, which is petroleum. It's friggin' petroleum. It's, it's guys, you're killing our planet by not using by not using animals. I'm not saying that you got to kill or use a byproduct of an animal to look better. I agree with you. Let's go vegan. But there's other solutions. You can have, there's apple leather. There's other solutions to this. You don't have to use petroleum. So that's the kind of stuff that customers, I want to know from them, how sustainable do you want to go? What is your approach? Do you want to go all the way? And I can help you with banana fibers, with hemp fibers, all the way. I can help you as much or as little. Are you willing to, for example, with our biodynamic cotton, you know what our, our customer had to do? They had to pay for the cotton growers eight months in advance. That is considered fair trade. This is what biodynamics is. We had to pay for the cotton growers eight months in advance to grow the cotton. So that is sustainable, right? You know what I'm saying? And then Mm -hmm. you can see the whole transparency. How far are you willing? And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars here. These guys didn't even know me. They didn't even know. They only knew about my reputation. We never even worked together. And this is what they did, which is amazing. People really believed in this principle and they went all the way. So the farmers are guaranteed that they're going to have their crops picked. We paid them not only eight months in advance, we paid them 20% more than what the average farmer is getting paid. So again, you have to think about what is ethical in our world? What is, again, the word sustainable in our world? It's not only about the plastic and the garbage and this. And that. It's about you know, helping the world. It's helping the workers to live better helping the humans and helping our planet. It's not only about the planet. Right. There is a linkage between sustainability and fair trade. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it is. Because those it are is. the people that are producing the clothing and having fair working conditions because there's some terrible stories about consequences that have happened in um, thinking of a couple of events, horrific working conditions that are the result of some ultra low pricing. Correct. On correct. products to hit those product points. Mm-hmm. They couldn't give safe conditions. Mm-hmm. which is terrible. Yeah, you got to care about the people and the planet. You can't just do one or the other. And that's what's happening to our world nowadays. People are, are much more conscious of what's going on, which is great. Right, because you have that consumer base now that's saying, mm-hmm. I think it's a little tough because I think that there's that conscious consumer. They're definitely there and we're hearing about them. Mm-hmm. I think the big question, and I hear this in the circles that we're in, is... The more they buy products with that conscious, the more they're sending that message to the industry. Correct. And it already is happening, just like you were talking about with those actions. Mm-hmm. Like when you, it's just like, you know, when you reward, when you go to a local store to buy a product, yep. you know, what is that that's saying that you're making someone dance or jump for joy? But every time a consumer does that, they're helping a person, Shop they're helping a small total, company. Total, but like yeah. when you buy a reusable product, you go secondhand, you buy it, you reward a company that's doing, that's really trustworthy. Yeah. yeah. You're changing the industry. Like, and it, you know, it's because these companies, they can't keep doing it if people don't buy. So the consumer definitely does have an impact. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, on a, a separate note, we we're talking about the government and it's it's really unlikely that the government is, uh, that soil carbon sequestration, mm-hmm. you know, when, when uh, soil is going to be government approved. So in other words, do you know what that is? Soil carbon sequestration? Basically, mm-hmm. when you till the soil, it t- keeps the carbon. So the government is not into this yet. They don't understand 
how it's actually helping our planet. So instead of, you know, just regular soil, which is, you know, putting all the pesticides and all stuff, and then they don't till the soil, what biodynamics does is it has this uh, layer of, of soil, which always re-fertilizes, and it's called, you know, soil carbon sequestration. And that mitigates the whole greenhouse effect. So that's all these little things that, that we can do to help the planet. So you can shop local, you can buy ethical cotton or not use plastic or petroleum-based textiles. These are all things that we can do. Okay, so I wanted to talk about pricing a little bit because I know one of those objections that customers have, which is mm-hmm. like, I want to support this, but I can't spend three times the amount or whatever that multiple is. So I just wanted to ask, like, how does the pricing materials compare to non-sustainable? And we're not talking well, about fast fashion. We're talking about just more general. And then I guess like, how does the price of sustainable products get brought down in the future? I think it's like your first fax machine. I think my first fax machine in the eighties was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or computer. Six, six, $6,000. <laughs> so everything, you know, with time will develop and evolve and, and get much accessible, much more accessible. So yes, I think, you know, our biodynamic cotton is 20% more than organic cotton. Organic cotton is more expensive than regular cotton, but again, you know, what do you want? Do you want quality? Do you want to do good for your planet mm-hmm. or not? So it's different consumers, different mindsets, and we're offering both. And the prices are going down as more people are going to be adapting to this mm-hmm. way of living. And the organic section or vegan sections are growing slowly in grocery stores. So yeah, prices will go down eventually. But yes, it is a little bit more expensive than... And let me get to the benefit because the durability of that product... Because I think we, we realize that when you, I think we've all had the experience of using clothing that, wearing clothing that's not made as well. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've, had a, I've had a pair of jeans that was definitely not sustainable mm-hmm. and it lasted maybe six months before mm-hmm. it was torn. I couldn't wear it again. So what do yep. you think that, so by using a biodynamic material, mm-hmm. like, how do you think that improves the, like, how long will that piece last compared to something that's conventionally and cheaply made well the cotton that the biodynamic cotton that we're using is the finest in the world and it's it's uh by far not the cheapest but what happens is when you weave the fabric a certain way or when you might have to blend it with another fiber for example recycled a stretch to make it stronger then these genes are actually going to last you you know a very very long time we're actually launching like i said earlier a denim fabric brand. It's going to be called Science of Denim. And we have a few different fibers of which one is biodynamic. The other one is hemp. Hemp we're going to be blending with other fibers. So we're thinking because also hemp grows very, very quickly, uses very little water. And then we're also using uh, thinking of using a bulletproof fabrics, which are Dyneema, which it is a petroleum-based textile, but it's extremely durable. So again, you know, we have to think about all these things when we're using the word ethical, but what is it that the consumer wants? What is it that the consumer is looking into? The genes nowadays are using a lot, a lot of chemicals, are using a lot, a lot of water. We are going waterless. It's very, very important for us to think this way and to work this way. So same thing goes for the cotton. The cotton that you're going to be using has no pesticides. Think about it, guys. It's chemical-free, even the way that we dye it is going to be a botanical dyes. So everything that we are doing, we are thinking for the final consumer. Could you imagine having your kid? Stephen, you're going to have a kid. Your kid is going to be wearing 
pesticide chemicals on their body. Yeah. It's to me, the idea is, is beyond. Yeah. And that's where plastic gets a little freaky too, because now they're talking about microplastics. Oh my gosh. It's everywhere. I know. I know. I, I, right. Yeah, and like, it's... and with these, you know, and this is a, but with, uh, even with animals and fish that they find now, they're finding yeah. these, these dead animals that have plastic inside them. And I know. But just by absorbing, yeah, so. by interacting with plastic too much, you can absorb it into your body. So that's what's a compelling argument for what you're saying that, you know, it's just right. Like if you, that's the benefits of purchasing something that's going to, mm -hmm. you're not wearing yeah. chemicals. And we're, you know, because of uh, the internet, we are all much more conscious of everything that's happening. Social media is just moving really, really fast and people find out if there's a problem immediately. But what I'm trying to say is that social media is telling us, yes, bioplastics is telling us that climate has to have progression. We have to fix this. This is an emergency. Yeah, We got to fix what we're doing. And, and I'm trying to do my share with the apparel industry. I guess, let's see. So we'll close with a couple of things. I mean, first off, you know, just so that the listeners don't get annoyed with any sort of sermonizing, why don't we close with I'll offer one and you'll offer one, which is the ways that we fuck up in our daily lives on sustainability. Like mm -hmm. the thing that we want to do better. Okay. You know, so. I love it. I think it's great. Because <laughs> there's always room for improvement. Yeah. So what do you fuck up on sometimes with your sustainability routine? I think, you know, what I'm going to, the way I want to answer that is by thinking positive. So instead of saying where I'm going to fuck up here is I'm going to try to, when I do breakfast or lunch for my daughter, the food that I'm not using, I'm going to compost it. I'm going to ride my bike to work instead of taking the subway or an Uber. I'm going to try not to shop from brands that are not ethical. I'm going to try to do my best. I'm trying to do my share. I'm trying to I called Con Edison. I said, I want to convert to Con Edison our Electric Company. I want to convert to your uh, ethical plans. And they say, you know, it's like, I didn't even know that they had this existing. You have to find out by yourself right. that they have these divisions, but they don't want to publish it. They don't want to push it for whatever reason. So I'm saving, you know, 50% money every month, you know, because I'm, I switched to these ethical plans and I'm also doing better to our planet. So, you know, you got to do your share, you know, all the time. And where I fuck up, you know, <laughs> I forget to take my tote bag one day, I, even though I carry it in my backpack all the time. Or I forget to, I have to buy some plastic in a grocery store, which really, you know, not plastic, but, you know, they put whatever vegetables or stuff in, in a grocery store. Yeah, that's where I fuck up. Yeah, I, and I hear you. It was, that was a very thoughtful answer. The bulk bin is actually very good for, I'm seeing more, I think it's, and I, it's more on the West Coast of the United States than the East Coast. And I mean, you know, we're both in New York, uh -huh. but I see, I'm hoping bulk bins get bigger because that's how you get out of the plastic. These things are available. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think Colorado and California is way ahead of us. Uh, there's a few stores in Brooklyn that are using this system of purchasing goods and bulk. I love that. I love the idea. Even, you know, your straws and don't use the paper straws because they have pla they have wax inside <laughs> it. Don't people, you can, but all these things are, you know, they'll educate the consumer. And I didn't even know. I was in Miami. I said, wow, they're using paper straws instead of plastic straws. I find out later that the paper has a wax inside. So the actual, or what, it's not wax, actually. It's plastic inside so that it, the water doesn't go through. So all these things are, don't use a freaking straw. 
Don't use well, right. Why, I mean, that's the whole like, why, yeah, that's what's like what sucks about sustainability sometimes because you go with the best intentions and you're trying to use something better, but sometimes you find out that better solution isn't better, <laughs> which is fine. You just you'll come up with something else. I mean, that's what's kind of that ingenuity that comes with it and finding new materials. Like everything's a science experiment. It's really fun <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, my friend was at cinema the other day. I said, "Why do you have to have a straw?" I go, "How am I going to drink this?" The usual way, I know, like the normal. Yeah. <laughs> Like you can't survive without a yeah. You can't survive <laughs> yeah, without sorry. a straw. I was gonna say like for my stuff, I want to. The thing that I can do better, I think, is to your point. One solution with there's a movement called pre-cycling, and that means yes. right, like don't even get into the situation where you're using a better version of a plastic bag. Bring your toke. Prevent the scenario Correct. altogether. Proactive, yes. Uh huh. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Roberto. This was this was great. You gave me a lot of ideas for um, my everyday sustainability practice. I'm sorry I'm not a very eloquent speaker, but trying to speak all these languages is not. <laughs> I think your corporate experience, like doing this, was you know it was really uh, it was really cool to I'm hear. Trying that. to do my yeah, I'm trying to do my two cents to help companies to go in the right direction. So yeah, so whether it's uh, you want help with just consulting or buy fabrics from me or to do full package, I can, I can definitely help you out. If our listeners want to reach you in the future, how can they reach you? They can call me. I think it's the best thing. Text me. Don't call me. Please text <laughs> me. Text me at 917-371-7029 or you just email me at rc at scienceofapparel.com. Wow. You offered your digits. I love it. Um, you bet. Text <laughs> me. Text me. Yeah. Okay. Being transparent. It's called being, it's called being transparent. Right, because if, if people don't answer phone calls these days, that's kind of funny too. <laughs> no, no, I never answer the phone because you get too many, too many junk mail, but text me and I will answer you. Awesome, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is sponsored by Needle Movement. Needle Movement helps time-starved entrepreneurs and emerging brands. E-commerce, it can be overwhelming because... Our time is split up among so many initiatives and different responsibilities. A lot of times brands really want to do vital marketing tasks. But they just don't have time to execute them. For brands, Needle Movement focuses on email marketing services, list growth, and digital strategy, simply because we know that these are the most profitable initiatives out there. For our engagements, we execute individual email blasts, set up email automations, and we even have quote unquote done for you email marketing services where we can manage the whole program. That way you can take care of all your other responsibilities without having to worry about email. Learn more about our affordable packages by visiting needlemovement.com. Book a call today on the site and we can discuss how to make business growth easier. And last but not least, be sure to tune in next week for another new episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>